Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast, a roundtable conversation about all things pop culture with members of the But Why Though writing staff. I'm your host, Alex, and I'm joined this week by Kate. Hi. And Matt. Hello. This week, we're going to talk about 2023 and specifically what we liked about it. There was, I mean, it was it was a hell of a year. There was a lot good and bad, but we want to talk about the things that we liked. Uh, so we're going to get into that. We debated if we were going to get into the news, uh, but literally like all of the news this week has been not great. I think we're just going to keep the positivity train going. Is that good for you guys? Yes. I just want to tell everybody have happy holidays. Is that what we do? Happy yeah. holidays. Happy holidays. This is a frog podcast now. Welcome to Frogcast from the But Why the Writing <laughs> staff featuring Matt and me. But yeah, so we just want to talk about things that we liked this year. I'll start with a game that I, I think you guys played it. I hope you guys played it, which was uh, the long-awaited sequel to Breath of the Wild, uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Did you guys touch this one? No. I don't, Zelda. You guys, you're killing me. I, um, look, I could never have a Nintendo, and that's still something I haven't rectified no, now I, that I have a Nintendo. <laughs> I, I get it. That's fair. So yeah, Breath of the Wild was, or sorry, Tears of the Kingdom was a continuation on the experiment that was Breath of the Wild, where it's like, what if it's a big open world? What if we have no items like a traditional Zelda game and we just have ways to interact with the world and you can modify it through that? Like, you get a sword and a bow and then you can, like, build machines out of parts that you find and you can have, like, cars and planes and tanks. Like, I saw somebody make a Beyblades arena. (laughs) Um, You can really do whatever you want in this game. So I will say, like, while I did not partake in the tears and or the breath, I did watch a lot of videos of people who did. uh, And I did actually think it like the amount of skill that goes into the development cycle of a game that allows the player to directly interact and mess up everything consistently is something that is really, really cool. And just the type of things that people were building and like the the in-game physics of Tears yeah. of the Kingdom was it was amazing. It was unlike anything that I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. I will never play it because that's 300 hours of my life that I could devote to something else. But I did watch all the videos uh, like men, like the flaming giant men with things that we yep. don't mention on here. <laughs> with exploding parts, let's yes, say. Yes, with exploding parts of themselves. It was a great game for me. I think Breath of the Wild was for the not for the genre, for the franchise, for the series, was a significant reinvention um, and a really positive step forward. And this took a lot of the lessons that they learned there, good and bad, and just expanded on it. And again, like you said, making this like weird physics engine that can break everything and anything in the world. And it, and it just works and it just carries across. It was really fun. And I, the story I thought was, was decent. Um, Not, not always the best, like some things got underutilized, but like dungeons came back in some form. Um, and yeah, it was just a really great game and one of my personal highlights for 2023. Um, but I think at least one of you also brought a game that you want to discuss. Yeah, so it's more like uh, what I discovered about myself this year. According to Steam, <laughs> I am a 4X and souls like girly now. I did not know that I would be, specifically because I like 4X. I, I, I've, I've liked Civ. I like strategy games. I play them mm-hmm. with Matt a lot. Um, but I didn't realize the sheer amount that I had played until my Steam page was just like, here's everything else, and then 4X and Souls-like. On the Souls-like front, because I think I may be the only people, the only one here who has played them, uh, not Souls-like as a genre, but the two that came out this year, Lies of yes. P and Wolong Fallen Dynasty, 
Uh, those are my first real Souls like. So I had played uh like a demon. I don't know if it was a Demon Soul or a Dark Soul, but I played a a FromSoft game. Yeah. I played a thing, um that made me very mad, and then I didn't want to play it again, and I avoided the genre like the plague. Uh, and then your girl was not smart and looked up game descriptions when she volunteered to review Wolong. I was just like, ooh, it's pretty. That was, I would at the time it was a mistake because it took me eight hours to beat the first boss. Like that, that's yeah. how bad it was. But then I realized that like, I really enjoy Souls Likes. Like there is something invigorating and fantastic like chemically in my brain that happens when I finally get to beat a boss because I suck at parrying yeah and so in games most of the time I try to find my way to play my way and not necessarily focus on the way the game is telling me to play because I suck at stealth I suck at blocking I suck at parrying like I'm I am a brawler through and through I just I'm, mm -hmm. I apologize Matt for all the games we've played together <laughs> that's just what I do um and it was really cool to have a game be like, no, these are the rules and mm -hmm. you're going to get good at it or you're just not going to keep playing. And because I had to review it, I had no choice but to keep playing. And that was really helpful because it really gave a fantastic game loop of failing and accomplishing. Mm -hmm. And I could finally understand why people liked those types of games. And then Lisa P came out, which is, I think it's Nexon. Uh, Neo is. Neo is. Neo is. It's Neo is. It is a take on Pinocchio. And it was such beautiful storytelling and beautiful, like, just everything that I got engrossed in the world. And I got to play a Souls game a second time, only slightly unaware that it was a Souls game this time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, okay. I have I have a question for yeah. you. Which of the two did you prefer? Because I haven't Liza tried Wolong yet. Really, Liza P. I, yeah. My friend and I tried Liza P, and I thought it controlled kind of clunky, and I wasn't enjoying it. Does it get better? I thought it controlled really well. Um, I thought it was really straightforward. I really, I think for me, the reason Liza P takes it is because Liza P has a better story, and it is okay. it, and its adaptation process is something that I really appreciated. Um, of what it okay, did I'll for to give like, it another Pinocchio try. as a story. So that that's why I really liked it a lot more. The story is just way stronger, and the villains, in my opinion, are are, are better, like better character design, designs, that type of stuff. Gotcha. But yeah, I do Souls likes now. I live here, and then Matt finally found the perfect 4X gamer grand strategy, whatever <laughs> it's called, game for me in Age of Wonders Four, uh, yes. because. You can customize the race that you're playing as. So, like, you get your hero, and you get to make them all sexy. I mean, I guess you could not make it sexy, but then why would you create a character that's point? just dumb? There's no point. You make them sexy. That's what I did. And then the choices that you make with the magic, whether or not, like, you ch you become, like, a, dra uh, a draconic, mm -hmm. and you become part dragon, or you become a leaf child that has, like, nature... It changes your appearances. You can get different heroes and change their appearances, which is actually kind of weird when you put it in perspective. It's like, oh, I found somebody new. Time to give them cosmetic surgery. But <laughs> all that is to say, it's a very specific personal investment in a strategy game yeah. that I really loved. And now I will let Matt talk about it more thoughtfully for the strategy oh. gamers in the room. <laughs> who are interested in that part and not how can I make the sluttiest champion 
No, I mean, obviously, I think Age of Wonders 4 was great for this year. Um, we had some pretty good strategy games, so it was pretty fun. I think, obviously, Dune Spice Wars coming out officially was good. But no, Age of Wonders was definitely between the two DLCs, so it kept, kept you invested all year long. They kept adding it. I'm sure we'll get more. I think overall, it was by far the best game that I played this year. Obviously, convincing Kate to come play a lot of these is good. Because um, she mm -hmm. still won't play Victoria 3 with me. I'm too dumb for that. Like, I, I can't run <laughs> capitalist machines. But you need to. That's how you defeat capitalism, by be learning how to run capitalism. Become the thing you hate? Yes. But no, overall, I think it, it was a pretty good, solid year. Um, I think I had two games that I'll probably talk to talk about a little bit when we get to, I guess, anticipation a little bit for next year. That I just, yeah. That's how we go with blah until we get there. All right. So I, if I'm being honest, strategy games, not necessarily my thing. Um, so what does Age of Wonders 4 get right that made it such a highlight for you this year? Um, I mean, obviously. I think other, I th other than thirst trapping yourself. Which I, I mean, obviously the thirst trapping, but I do think being able to play and create your own race and faction and everything, it gives it a lot of bonuses because you get to, okay. while Kate is making them, Hot and sexy looking. I'm seeing. Okay, what traits and what do You're I want to explore like at in this game? Little gremlin, goblin, dragon people. Yes. Um. I mean. I mean. For the most part. I mean. It has. I mean. It has. Matt, a, you made gremlins. No, I played. I played the dragons. I had mole people. I had dragons. <laughs> okay. I had birds. So that you can be a dragon and eat people. Which is yes. uh, which is another selling point for this game. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. No, um, I mean, I think just. Because, I mean, if you played Civ, it plays sort of like that type of, you know, that turn base. But, um, you know, you're building an empire, you get a bigger empire. I think it just adds a lot more variety of, like, with the magic, the way you can play with all the magic or the... Um, blah, 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 blah. Magic infinitely cooler than technology. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Magic is yep. infinitely cooler than technology and researching things. Um, the play style, obviously, war with all the integrated um, parts of just, like, fantasy you know, so instead of like based on history, yeah. it's based on fantasy and then kind of the unlimited customization that you can do. I think whether it be the realm customization, because obviously you can like, oh, I made the map cool. I'm like, yeah, but now you can like add different stuff in the map, you know, like whether it be events that happen or different types of goals and then just kind of the variety in that well. And I don't think the stories, I mean, I didn't play much, I didn't completely finish all the story, but I don't think it's bad from what they do because you basically run from realm to realm, you know, okay. defeating or just basically. Yeah, not defeating, but either defeating or winning certain challenges of what you're doing. I think just it allows it a lot more customization from the race stuff with the traits and allows you to play different ways. Like if I want to play underground people, I can do that. If I want to play swamp people, I can do that. If I want to play dragons or if I want to play people that look like dragons. <laughs> All right. Yeah, honestly, that does that does sound pretty fun. And I hadn't thought about the idea of because I feel like with a lot of strategy games, people think of Civ and, and you know, things with kind of predefined boundaries. So making one where it's like yeah build whatever you want like make your make whatever race you want whatever like city or anything uh, that does add yeah that personal buy-in and just makes it i guess it feels like subsequent playthroughs could feel more different than maybe with other games is yes. that a fair assessment yes yeah. cool they're gonna pull background stories for my people 
Oh. Because, like, I'm crafting them, and I'm like, oh, well, she's going to be a red elf, and nobody else is going to be a red elf, and she's going to have, like, this real cool paint, because she's, like, a priestess. It, it Like, it is a whole yeah. spiral. If you are somebody who enjoys character creation and, like, have an attachment to the characters that you make, you make in games... Like Age of Wonders 4 is like a perfect bridge and it's co-op and multiplayer, which is like also a really good sell. So you don't have to play those 150 turns by yeah. yourself. Nice. I I do love character creators. What I've been doing lately is dipped back into Grand Theft Auto 5 and I've just been customizing cars and then driving them until I eventually accidentally destroy them. Uh, but the other day my wife did walk in while I was customizing a car and was like, why do you do this? You're just going to crash it. <laughs> and I was like, she's not wrong because I just like max out the speed, max out everything about it. And then inevitably wrap it around a phone pole somewhere. Look, I have completely outed myself as the biggest, uh, quote unquote, fake gamer girl today. Just talking about character customizations slutty clothes and ooh pretty but that's also like i played forza just to unlock all the pink things for my car and once i got all the things i wanted to give me the pinky the pinkest of kid i was done because it was like okay i've i've achieved i yeah everything i accomplished I can it. achieve. <laughs> there is no further point uh but yeah uh what else you guys got i guess technically avatar um yeah the frontiers. That had a movie and a game huh that was was that movie this year? No, so the movie, movie was, was last December year, of 2022. Yeah, which basically oh, so basically in, 2023. Yeah, so yeah. we got the recency bias of we're right back here in December, and it's Avatar December again. Um, this is James Cameron's month. It, it doesn't. And to be fair, I was born here, and he doesn't even. I don't even own it. It belongs to James, <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah, I mean to be fair, Avatar did run into basically. I'm sure between the amount of money and the overlap, it probably still did very well for this year as well. Oh yeah. Uh, but they also a got a game. Disney movies. Um, but no, I think that what they did with uh, Ubisoft and uh, was it massive part of Ubisoft? Massive Entertainment, yeah. Entertainment did with the new Avatar game has actually been done very well. I think the story is good. I think the world just being in Pandora is pretty fun. I think just for for what they, I guess I don't want to say for an Ubisoft game that we've talked about lately. It I think it's been very good. There's obviously the Ubisoft trademark, or, you know, trademark engine stuff, but overall, I think just yeah, they put more. It reminds me that game reminds me a lot of the older Assassin's Creed games, where I think the story actually hmm. means a lot more than what we're doing. Because uh, mechanically, sure, or like Ubi, if you don't like some of the stuff from Ubisoft, sure, I don't really care. You're gonna get that with any franchise. You all play the same five games and tell me that all the mechanics are the same, and you're like, this is great, like cool. That's how. That's what the trademark of companies are. We've talked about it before, but that's the games. It's Ubisoft games. There's Sony games. We mm-hmm. we know what we're getting. Um, but as far as like the story itself and what that brings to life, I think does a very good job compared to a lot of the other um, more recent Ubisoft games that we've had. All right. Yeah. I honestly, I'm always impressed when I see a game based on a movie or a toy or anything like that that does well or that just doesn't suck. Like I remember that was why everyone was so surprised when like Lego star Wars wasn't terrible back in the day because a game based on Legos shouldn't be good. And games based on movies like usually aren't great, but somehow that one did both. So I think hearing that the avatar, cause it's an original story, right? Yeah. Matt, I'll let you keep what, excuse me. How do you hate the oh. Lego? Like <laughs> video no, games? I, no, no, I said, I don't hate them. I like them, but I feel like historically, how, how, hold on. How did you think they were going to be bad though? 
because it didn't let you build with them for one, but also like, what Matt, if you're telling me that if someone texted you and said, Hey, this company is making a game based on the Lego adaptations of XYZ movie before the Lego games existed, you're telling me you would have been like, yeah, that sounds like a really smart financial move for a game developer. I own all of them. So yes. <laughs> It's. I mean, I. I don't know. I had to see I them own before all the I was Star- sold. Well, I don't own. I own most of the Star Wars ones. I didn't get the most recent Star Wars ones. I owned. I think some of the Harry Potter ones. I owned, and I played all the Pirates of the Caribbean ones, and I played some of the Jurassic Park ones. It's. I mean, I'm again. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying that a game based on a toy to me does not have. That's not a mark of like this is definitely going to be good. Is what I'm saying. That's fair. And I don't think that that's a wrong set statement. All, all of us lived through the movie as video game pipeline. Well, that, that we I got think that's why I'm. Yeah. I think that's why I had like why I initially was like I don't know that's a good idea because yeah we would see terrible adaptations. I, so I don't uh, disagree, but, anyway. but also the Lego ones were the only ones that did them well. <laughs> to get us away from Lego, yeah, I feel Avatar the game right now. I'm, is it, it is it an original story? <laughs> yes. I just like that a new level of Matt has been unlocked. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I did not know Matt was that passionate about the Lego games. <laughs> um, I also own, I think, most of them, Matt. You don't deserve them Stop after Stop trying to rebuild the bridge. You've already burnt it. <laughs> Look, okay. So, yes. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora is an entirely... It's an original story set between... Uh, I believe it starts taking place right after the Battle of the Hallelujah Mountains, which is Avatar 1, and ends up mostly taking place a year before Way of the Water. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is not told from a human perspective at all. It is told through the perspective of the Na'vi, but very specifically, you are a member of the Sarantu tribe who has, you're the last of your your clan, essentially. They've wiped it out and they stole you they kidnapped you. They removed your culture from you very violently. And when you're rescued, you have to learn what it's like to be not V again because all of that was beaten out of you before you came into it. And I use those strong words because I think that this is one of the rare times, not rare, but I think that this is a master class in how fantasy can use historical contexts mm-hmm. to build out universal explorations of anti-colonialism uh, anti-colonialist structures and tell Mm -hmm. a lot of the native story of being put through forced assimilation being kidnapped and and being put into schools which is what we get in this and i wrote a piece about it on the site it's really good it's really cathartic because the military is bad all the times you get to choose if you forgive humans you don't have to it literally gives you a choice in the game uh, that's awesome if you're playing it right now or you want to play it make sure you do the side quest penance it's really cool um yeah and you can play it all through co-op man and i played it all together oh that's that's huge is it local co-op or online online make sure okay. that they know how to read a map <laughs> what happened do you want to tell them about avatar's genius immersion tool and how Kate... the, the great genius immersion tool is you have to learn how to read a map and follow directions and some people do not like <laughs> to do that and they like to just follow to the markers sometimes it's I mean... a marker you placed two hours ago yes and how far of a walk was it actually he had birds no i mean if there's gonna be a little gps marker on my 
on my HUD that tells me what direction to walk, I will use that. Uh, but yeah, so moving on from from Avatar, which I mean, it's an adaptation, and moving into um, this was just actually a decent year for adaptations all around. Is that fair? Yeah. Uh, I think what so I've been watching Japanese adaptations of manga and anime for quite some time, uh, because that that's their comic book movies essentially. Like it, it, it they mm-hmm. are they're literally comic books. Uh, so in the same way that we have the comic books movies playing here. They're Matt, uncolored. Matt! Coloring books. You hurt my soul. The way we have the comic book to movie pipeline here in the States, Japan has the manga to movie pipeline the same way Korea has a webtoon to movie or a drama pipeline. So it's not unheard of to get good adaptations. But from a U- from a U.S. context, it was unheard of to get good anime adaptations until One Piece came out. Um, and that was because it used a lot of Oda's like direct influence. Oda chose the cast. Oda chose a lot of the the condensing of things. And people were in love with the material when they adapted it. And so I think that 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 deserves a shout out um, for being a success. Uh, Alex, did you watch it? I I haven't yet. It is on my list to get to. But yeah, I know people who don't watch anime or read manga at all who watched One Piece and were like, yeah, I loved that. I need more of that. And it was like, okay, this is like that sells me on it as an adaptation that I'm hearing from One Piece fans. Like uh, my barber is like diehard One Piece fan. um, And he was like, yeah, it was actually really, really good. And then hearing from people who know nothing about the source material to have them also endorsing it. It was like, yeah, they knocked it out of the park with this one. Like they made a genuinely good adaptation. The the clips of it that I've seen, like visually, it looks like they nailed it because I'm a, a little familiar with it. Um, and even the effects, I was honestly impressed by given how bad effects typically are with a lot of shows. Yeah. I think the, the next part that also comes from loving the sub- subject material, I think my, my other favorite adaptation this year that I think shows the strength of having an adaptation and mm-hmm. having a written version or, or a source material is Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, MAPPA is not a good place to work. We found that out more <laughs> this year than ever. Um, yeah. But the artists and animators are still celebrating their work that they've done, and I think that they have every right to, because I think what Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 has pulled off is really unheard of. I think that the gravitas and emotional weight that they've been able to give in the adaptive material mm-hmm. in such short run times for episodes. And by adding in a lot of additional context, like that comes from a supreme love of the, of the source. And then also a really big understanding of what Gegi Akutami was doing when they were writing these characters. And I think that that is, I mean, they kind of got there with Chainsaw Man. Um, I think tonally it mm-hmm. didn't necessarily hit everything that it should have. But I think Jujutsu Kaisen was a perfective method of being like, yeah, the the manga can exist and be really great, and the anime can somehow come in and be an adaptation of that and blow it out the water. Like they have references yeah. to the raid in there, like they've extended fight sequences using like the Matrix and the raid as like background, like as as foundation pieces. Like it, they're doing work, and it, it's it, it's really cool to see adaptation, and, and I people need to know that animes are just adaptations most of the time unless it says original anime yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i feel like i i mean i'm not like insanely versed in anime but i feel like i would be hard pressed to name like more than two that are original anime did not start as a manga 
Yeah. I think it was a good year for book adaptation shows as well, which um, obviously we have the most recent will probably be Reacher that just released. Um, hmm. I think Percy Jackson, I don't know whether that's good or bad, but I know also released. And then uh, we, we have a few other ones that we'll probably discuss a little bit later as well. Oh, yeah, it, it just seemed like it was a, like they've kind of figured out the formula because how, I mean, we talked about how long we lived through of like bad adaptations in the 2000s. Um, and I feel like companies are kind of zeroing in on like, how do you make this work? How do you make this not suck? Yes. Uh, which w with that, um, my ad adaptation, or I, I don't even want to call it an adaptation. I'm going to call it an interpretation is the Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant Mayhem. Did you guys see this one? I saw no. parts of it, unfortunately. I did not get to finish the whole thing. My screener that okay. I got cut out. I got it for award season and I did not get to gotcha yeah so it um i thought what what i liked about it was that it was not the ninja turtles that we have always been presented with um I, and and it's funny because there are people who that's why they hated it but i was like i don't need to see the same movie for a fifth time like i don't need the exact same characterization of everybody i don't need them to you know really be like young adults and not teenagers like i thought that angle was fun the animation honestly like I thought they knocked it out of the park. I know the review on the site from Jason. I think he said it was a little bit uh, dark and muddled for him, uh, which I can totally see. I didn't have that issue with it, but it's it's definitely not an, it's not invalid as a criticism. Um, I think it's funny I, because all the stuff that you said is why I did not watch it. Because it's not the same as always, and all that. Yeah, I, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was just like, I didn't I mean, like. What, I didn't like. I didn't like them going back to teenagers. It was just like fine. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was. I think there were a couple things that I thought were like missteps, um, overall. But I see why they happened in fiction. Um, like there are characters who you know have like different. Um, they're they're very different takes on traditional characters that we've known. Um, but I I thought that it was fine, and I think honestly I'm a little bit flustered that. This didn't. I mean, we know that award seasons are jokes, but that this didn't get nominated for best animation, oh, but yeah. Wish did. This like this, so this like not even like taking into account story changes, whatever. All you just compare animation to animation on the grounds of what yep. those teams did. This blows Wish out of the water. It blows yeah. Elemental out of the water. Like it's 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 one of the strongest presentations of animation from mm -hmm. the U.S. To be honest, it's like this. Spider-Verse and Puss in Boots are like the only things I can think of that are like pushing animation as a medium for film. Yeah. Like Disney and Pixar are way too comfortable at this point. They're, they're repetitive. Um, they're all round. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want I saw a post and I'm sure you guys have seen this about how um, the way that Disney and Pixar animate men and women follows the way that gender presents in proboscis monkeys. What? Like giant noses versus small noses and like profile. Oh. And it's like, they're basically just drawing them the way that's that, like amazing. engendering them the way that monkeys are. Um, but yeah, Ninja Turtles, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, and also doing a movie where Shredder is not the villain. Yes, please give me more of that. Like Shredder dies in issue one of the comics. Like he eventually became the mainstay villain, but like there's so many other more interesting things that you can be doing. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a really big highlight for me and I'm excited to see what they do with the next one. Sweet. 
Um, oh, and I guess I technically on this list, I'm the next thing. Dropout TV, which is the College Humor streaming service, uh, no longer College Humor as of their fifth anniversary. Um, they just had a really good year. I think they had double the subscribers that they thought they would. Like it was a huge year for growth for them. It's, I think, $60 for an annual subscription, like not expensive at all. I can contribute to this. They did Dungeons and Drag Queens, right? With Bob the Drag yeah. Queen and Jujubee. Yep. And they're getting a second season of that yes. this year. Okay, yeah, that I know. I have not actually watched. I've just watched a lot of clips of it on YouTube because I love those okay. queens. <laughs> so yeah, so so Dropout is basically if you want to watch D and D be played or uh, watch trivia shows or watch game shows, like that's what they do. They have very little in the way of like scripted you know, episodic storytelling, but it's, you know, they have Game Changer, which I'm sure you've seen clips of on YouTube, whether or not you know it. If you've seen that kind of like yellow, red, orange rainbow set um, and people doing outrageous things, like that's it. Um, but they, yeah, they just consistently have like fun, uh, innovative uh, presentations. They do profit sharing with their content creators that like all the performers who come in, they pay above union rates. Um, like they almost immediately got an exception to continue production during the strikes. Um, just based on like how they treat people um, and that they, you know, weren't working with, I am forgetting all of the letters that go into that, but the producers. A-M-T-P-T? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They, so it was like, we don't work with them. A-M-T-P. There we go. Yes. And so, yeah, when the strikes happened, they were like, Hey, we don't work with those guys. And also we respect and pay people and they got, you know, permission to keep producing. Um, and most recently they just put out a new show called very important people which is they put actors into makeup without the actors knowing what they're doing and then that person is given i think literally one minute to look at themselves in a mirror and come up with a character and then they have to go do like a 20 minute interview um that's really and cool. the first one was they dress somebody up as like basically a rave girl and she was like no no, no european pop star that's what this is and like just and she uh just uh, i think Anna Garcia just runs with it. And um, yeah, it's really good. I highly recommend it. Again, 60 bucks for a one-year subscription. And there's a ton of content on there. There's a show on there called Total Forgiveness, where two people are competing for money to put toward their student loans. And the way they compete is each week, they give each other a challenge. And if the other person doesn't complete their challenge, you get the money. So it starts off really nice and it escalates like it gets ugly and you start questioning if these people will speak to each other ever again look that's interesting because what i would do to get my student loans forgiven <laughs> so yeah all that to say it's a really great service um good people behind it um and there oh there's also a show on there that you guys might like called um actually which is a jeopardy style trivia show where they read a fact and there's an error somewhere in the fact and you have to spot it buzz in and say um actually before you answer oh no <laughs> it's very so good. good at that game it's such a good game uh there's and they also do bonus rounds like there's one where the host just brings out statues of all of the sailor scouts and says order these in distance from the sun, but there's no names on any of them. So you have to know the order of the planets and all of the sailor scouts. And it's like, that's like a pretty fun, like that's to put amazing. people on the spot who don't know sailor moon. Uh, yeah, it's a great show, great service. Um, but other services that did great this year, I think we all agreed before recording Apple TV. It slaps man. Apple TV has some of the best programming across genres. 
Uh, I mean, I've reviewed a lot of what our Apple TV has been. I think one of the crazy things is I think a lot of people know it for Ted Lasso very clearly that came out this year. But they have like a plethora of things. There is a show on there called Lessons in Chemistry. I do not particularly like Brie Larson's acting. That show made me a Brie Lever. Um, that was a real bad plug. Don't Don't ever do that um, again. Don't do that again. <laughs> Jason, can you play that back one more time? That show made me a believer. No. Uh, it's real good. Uh, you had, there was also, was it Shrinking, Still Up, um, Hijack with Idris Elba, which was a real good show. Like, thrillers, dramas, Mm-hmm. And the sci-fi, man. Like, the sci-fi on this streaming service is a whole other level with probably some of the best production design out mm-hmm. of anything on TV. You have the foundation, you have Invasion, and then you have our personal favorite in our house, Silo, which I'll let Matt talk about. Why am I talking? Silo! All I know is go watch Silo. Silo, by far the best show. And if you don't watch Silo, you're terrible. But also, no. I think Silo, by far the best show that I've watched all year. Um, it's by the most interesting. We go to book adaptations, which also apparently based on like 10 books. And that apparently ends um, at the kind of the end of the first book, if I remember correctly. Rebecca Ferguson is amazing in that show. Um, and I don't know what else to say without giving it away. Uh, who's the Shawshank Redemption guy? He's also very good in that show. Tim Robbins? Tim yes, Robbins. There Tim you Robbins, go. Yes. Tim Robbins is also very good in that show. <laughs> Common is really good in this show. Like, he's menacing. Yes. Uh, uh, David uh, David Oluya, or, yeah, I think that's how you say his last name. He's in this show, too. The guy who was in love with Khaleesi but was her knight is in this show. I love that we don't oh, know anybody's okay, yeah, names. Yeah. We just Ian McLean? Guys, no, I'm I'm stuck on. I just had a realization that Tim Robinson's rise to fame has made me forget Tim Robbins as a name. Because that's why I was like, Tim Robbins. I was like, that can't be right. That's the guy from I Think You Should Leave. <laughs> so yeah, like stacked cast. I The show I've been watching on Apple TV has been For All Mankind, um, which I think we've talked about on this show. Yes. Um, but again, it's just like great production value. Um, other than how they're aging the actors, that's getting questionable now that this show has taken place over the course of 40 years and we still have people playing the same characters. <laughs> um, I, I did want to say one other thing for Silo mm-hmm. is if you are a fan of Fallout, the mm-hmm. like introduction to the show, like if you just like the concept of Fallout and you want to know what happened in the vaults before everything this is a real good show to watch. You're good. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's real good in that way. Yeah. And now, now I'm just thinking of like, if I want fallout to do like a prequel anthology season where it's just like, here's 10 different vaults and the experiments that happened in them. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll find out next year how we, what happened in that vault. Yeah, I do. That is a good reminder though. Thank you that I, I've been meaning to watch silo and just have not had time. Cause there, there is, Ferguson. What are you doing, Alex? To watch, watching other. All you're doing is hating on Lego games. games. That's all you've been doing all year long. (laughs) All year. There's no room for life. There's no room for happiness in his life. He just has to hate on Lego games. I just, I have multiple Twitter accounts, multiple Reddit accounts. I downvote any Lego game content that I see. I don't. I play the Lego games. 
There were so many easy options, and you decide to be a hater. Well, I decided to go with something that conceptually, at the time that it came out, should not have worked. <laughs> but anyway, um, now there, one other show on Apple TV that I believe we've all watched. I don't. If there was an episode this week, I'm not caught up. But that is Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Who feels most qualified to talk about this? I'm reviewing it for the website. Uh, so All right, I have go. watched every episode. It, it, we're about to talk about another thing that has kind of killed my excitement for this show. I apologize. But uh, the actual, like, the production design and the kaiju design on this show, like, this is, like, it has all of that, like, beauty and grand, like, epic scale that uh, King of Monsters had. And it has a lot more of, like, the, the, the personal stories it takes place between mm -hmm. two timelines. The first one is very specifically looking at the origins of Monarch. The second is looking at the kids of the people who discovered Monarch. And you have something cooler. You have, uh, it's not Ben Wyatt. Ben Wyatt is a Parks and Rec char character. Wyatt Russell. <laughs> Wyatt yes. Russell. What? Leave me alone. You have Wyatt Russell and Kurt Russell playing the same person a generation apart, like decades apart. And the show keeps doing these really cool things where it will like project an image of young Shaw who's played by Wyatt Russell and then like Kurt Russell will walk in front of it. And I'm like, you are utilizing having a father and son oh, play yeah. in a way that is just perfect like they they <laughs> love it and you know casting was like we're so smart yes and you were and it was were. great it, it paid were. off no one else no one else can do anything the, the, this the, is I think peak. the one thing that i'm having a slightly hard time with the casting is uh anders holm as uh john goodman i actually like it i so here's the thing i like him but i look at him and i'm like there is no way that in 15 years that man is john goodman look Something's going to happen to Keiko and it's going to be a hard time. Oh, that okay, that's a good point. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to he's going to go through something. Yeah. But yeah, I just when I, I cuz I was watching it I was like, "Wait a minute, is he is he supposed to be John Goodman?" <laughs> and then my wife like pulled out her phone and pulled up the IMDb cast list to see. Yep. And and you actually don't know that until episode 3. So if you started watching it at the beginning, Alex just he spoiled it for you, but that's fine. It, I thought they said his character <laughs> name early on. They don't. And you just have to know no, that they you say have to have Bill. seen They don't say Bill Randa. Okay, gotcha. So you just have to see Kong Skull Island and be a conspiracy theorist. Yes. Just for two episodes. Um but okay. I will say what this the most interesting parts of monarch legacy of monsters is what's happening in the past because you're having to see a lot of the grappling with keiko uh, dr keiko mira who's mm -hmm. a japanese scientist who is studying titans they're not kaiju titans and she's having to watch the extreme militarization of monarch and how you need that military funding but also how that military funding is literally just going to be like nuking uh, the Titans, which mm -hmm. there's a beautiful scene in the third episode where she has to watch yeah. it happen. And it's it's one of the few times where she speaks in Japanese when she's surrounded by like all the Americans. And it's really painful to watch. And I think that there's something really smart that the show is doing is is they're using her as a lens to get at, at that original reason why Godzilla was created as as a character. Um with the original film and kind of like the weight that it can carry. I don't mm -hmm. know 
Yeah. But that's what it's doing in that part. It's really cool. Like, the monsters just look really cool. And Godzilla looks really cool. Um, but it's not the only Godzilla we got this year. We got not Chonky Boy again. Is that the title? Chonky Boy again. Even yes. chonkier. I, if they released that and it was a Godzilla movie, I'd be like, well, I have to go. Like, I have to know what led to this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we got Godzilla minus one, which is it takes place in the Shin Godzilla timeline. I believe so. Yeah, which with like three animated movies between the two, is that also accurate? Or I is... don't know because this movie is so incredibly powerful by itself. I did not care about anything that came before, okay. nor what is cool. coming after. All right. Yes. Yeah, I feel because I feel like I will you know, watch one to get hyped for the next, but I'm like, I don't know that I need to watch the three animated movies in no, the middle. No, don't watch I just any of see. that. Like, don't watch any. No. Just watch this. Like, just go just into this, this and yes. watch this. All right. You need nothing else. Like, that is, like, I did not review it for her site. Sarah Mosnicki did. She gave it a nine. I would have given it a ten. Like, this was okay. my film of the year. Okay. Good to know. Now, do you want to talk about that? Like, what what worked so well for you? The characters matter outside of Godzilla. That's impressive, honestly. And with the Godzilla movie. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, and I think... Oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, no, I was going to say, just outside the characters working, like, I think the actual story... I know we talked about we want big Godzilla to do things, which is fine. But for, like, the first time in probably a while, like I said, the characters matter. I think the actual story matters. I think the story is actually very, very good. I think the theme... It, the themes go back to, like as Kate said, the original point of Godzilla, and I think they nail it and hammer it home very, very well. Yeah, there's there's no subtext in the movie. Like it 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 is all on what you see is what you get, and I think that it is beautifully done in that way because it's almost like a reclamation of the World War Two film. I think like I've been telling people mm. that Godzilla minus one is a good kaiju movie. It's an even better war movie. And it, it's a really good dra a drama. And you're, the film is used to talk about the Japanese relationship with World War II, but not specifically from like their role in it, but how their country treated them. And it's a testament to human resiliency and a testament to choosing life in a way that I think is really powerful. And it, it's wonderfully acted. Um, and like Matt said, like, every character matters there's not a single character in this film that doesn't matter all of them have important mm -hmm. roles to play and i think that we joke that like the people don't matter but like the people don't matter in american godzilla movies because no. that's not what americans wanted um yeah. and i think they matter slightly more than humans in a transformers movie yes exactly <laughs> um but this movie it, it reminds you kind of similar to like what i said avatar does is it really reminds you how the genre itself can be really important for tackling harder conversations and looking mm. at historical contexts. And I think that it is probably my favorite Godzilla movie I've ever watched. Um, and I think that... <laughs> you don't even think about... They, it did so well that it went from being a limitedly released movie that was supposed to play for a week a singular mm -hmm. week to a movie that is playing nationwide in the United States through January. Like that is how well it did. 
in the U.S. And I think that alone speaks for kind of like the strength of it because it's it's not dubbed; it's only subtitled. So yeah, that getting a wider release is yeah. Because yeah, I know like even like we so we talked about this off mic, but I when I went to the theaters last, it was to see Boy and the Heron. You made a terrible and that decision. One, there was they had sub screenings and dub screenings, um, and we went sub because we were like definitely less people are going to go to see this subbed. Um, and then that way we can have like a little bit of distance between us and other moviegoers. Um, and we were 100% right. There was like us and then another group of like six people. And that was it in the theater. Everyone else went to go see it. Um, like I looked at the dub list, uh, listing and the theater was packed. So, um, for this to go from limited release to wide release without a dub option is huge. Yeah, I think, like, the science of the movie is really cool, though. Like, I actually think the role that, like, the head scientist plays is probably, like, one of the best roles for a scientist in a Godzilla movie, too. Because he's kind of, like, he's, like, the head scientist, but he's also kind of, like, this moral compass that everybody kind of, like, moves around that I think is really, mm. really great as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, like, we went to go see it with a friend, and all three of us, it was Matt, me, and our friend, all three of us walked out and was like, oh, my God, like that is that 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 was good. Like that was beyond good. Yeah, man, you, you guys are hyping up. I have to go see it now. Like I was planning on seeing it, but I'm going to push that up on the schedule. Yes. Like Matt and I think like I don't remember if you pointed out, but like just also like how terrifying Godzilla was in this movie. Like he's not here to save anybody. Like he he is a force of nature that is violent and terrifying. And like that's all he is the entire movie. And it it was really cool to watch. Yeah, I do like that because I feel like that is is that just a trope of the American Godzilla movies that he's actually here no, to save no. us? Or no, oh no, yeah, you're right, because he definitely fights other monsters consistently. Yeah. But I feel like the benevolence angle is No. Yeah. It's it's used it's more used often a lot. than not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so seeing one where it's like, nope, he's just here to destroy what you've built. <laughs> yeah. And with no context. Like at least Shin Godzilla kinda had context. This is this was just no Just a bad day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll check that out. Um but yeah, I think that that covers 2023, unless you guys have any honorable mentions. No, not really, to be honest. Fair. Same. <laughs> um, oh, well, I guess, wait, was Spider-Verse 2023? Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. I, I'm, it's, I don't want to say I'm reserving judgment until I see part two, because I'm not. I did really enjoy it. But I do want to see the completion of that story, because it very much stopped mid-story. Yeah. Well, they'll sweatshop it up soon. I don't want that. Take your time. Um, but yeah, you guys want to talk about 2024 or is it just like not? I mean, there were strikes, there were delays, companies laid people off. I don't know how much I want to say like I'm amped about things moving forward. Yeah. I have two things I'm amped about. And it's kind of like two things that were leaked in 2023 that I think kind of did some good, had some struggle, but overall good. Okay. But kind of I'm excited to see what we do in 2024. Um, and that would honestly be City Sky Cities Skyline Two and Starfield, okay. because I think both had um, obviously were very exciting games. I think City Skyline Two uh, I think had a little bit of struggle with the launch. I don't think it was as bad as some people said, but it is what it is. Um, but I'm excited for what they do as they've kind of updated and 
definitely see what they're going to add to the game and how much more polished they can make this game. And then Starfield, obviously, I think it was a very good game. But as we talked about on some other episodes, I feel like they set a lot of the groundwork, which is both good and can mm-hmm. be fun. But also, there are parts you can kind of, as you play longer and longer, you can kind of see, you know, like this was the groundwork. And so I'm intrigued to see what those two games specifically do coming into 2024. Mm-hmm. As we know, we're getting updates. We know we'll be getting DLC. When we know we're getting stuff, we don't know exactly what all all the way. But I'm intrigued to see what those games will end up looking like by the end of this time, by this time next year. Um, oh, yeah. Because they were definitely... I mean, because we... Look, good. Oh, I was going to say, we, we've we seen more success stories because, you know, a lot of games, it's like, well, we're going to try to patch our terrible game and make it slightly less terrible. But I feel like we've been seeing more of like, hey, we patched it to the point that it's actually good now. Yeah. Everybody so with Pokemon like, does that at this point. That Pokemon will never Only do it's it, still but, not good. <laughs> yeah, it's still not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, these ones, I'm I'm with you. I'm Because I from everything I've heard, people were like, yeah, Starfield is it's fine, but it's a little underwhelming. So hopefully they can patch it into something great. Look, you'll always get shit for not having any maps at release, but also I think there's a lot of good building blocks, and I'm like, interested to see what mm-hmm. they have. And I don't even think Definitely. it was necessarily a bad relaunch. I think it's very probably a lot more polished, and they have a lot of stuff that you can do. But I do think there is just like, like I said, as you start getting into the eighty, the fifty, the eighty, the hundred plus hours, hundred fifty plus hours, you start to see a lot more of like, oh, we had some building blocks versus we had finished stuff. Mm-hmm. That's all I have for 2024, because I don't know what else, anything is going to happen. I am excited for Furiosa. Yes. Uh, which yep, I did not buy Anya Taylor-Joy as, like, baby Charlize Theron at all, until there's a part in the trailer where she turns and her face is shadowed except for her eyes. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I don't care what happens. I'm in. <laughs> and... Yeah. I'm I'm real excited for that. Um, excited for more Avatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I'm looking at a list. Hades two is supposed to at least get early access this year. Super excited for that. Like Kate, if you want to play a game where just everybody's hot. Oh Hades yeah, 2. no, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like I'm kind of more reserved in just that. Like the world has been so bad and companies have been so bad. I don't know if I'm gonna like get super amped up for a lot of things yet. Um, mm-hmm. That's why just... I pick things that are already out. <laughs> oh, Elden yeah. Ring DLC. That's my other one. I now that I am a Souls like person, I must go play Elden Ring and and uh, please do. What was the other one? Sekiro. I need yeah. to go play those. Uh, I played through. Elden Ring by playing once a week with uh, co-hosts of my former podcast Game Boys uh, and my wife where we would just trade the controller back and forth while playing with them online um, beat the game basically three times over because we did it in everyone's file yeah. Um, but yeah by the end of it I feel like Kelsey was legitimately like the better player at that game like she's the one who beat <laughs> Melania on, our, on like all of it and I was like alright like she's and what's funny is she is not like that's not her style of game at all but she watched a let's like she watched a a twitch channel play through it and she was like yeah i want to do that and so she just like hopped on with us for this one game and was like we're gonna beat this (laughs) i will say there there's a high that comes from beating something after dying to it so many times that is just so good 
It's I always I know that I'm an idiot when I do this, but when I die a hundred times and then when I finally beat it, I'm like, yeah, you suck, you idiot. Yes, no, I do the same thing. <laughs> or I think what I found myself doing is like turning off the game and then coming back and then I beat it in the first try and it's like, oh, yep, oh, I I got good I, overnight. I, <laughs> yeah, I just needed to cool off and process. Uh, but yeah, I think that is all that we have for this week. Um, we plugged a lot of content, so I don't even know that we need to do more recommendations. Do you guys have like articles that you want to point people to on the site that other people have written? Uh, well, I would say just to recall out the one I wrote for Avatar, um, very specifically, I think if you're on the fence about Avatar and if one of your issues with Avatar is that you don't feel that, that you feel that we only get it from like a colonizer perspective or that quote unquote dances with wolves perspective. Um, I think that avatar frontiers of Pandora solves a lot of that. And I think for me playing it as a somewhat, as someone with native ancestry and, and as somebody with like whose family went through a lot of stuff, I think that it was a cathartic rele- release and I would recommend it does spoil some of the story. So if you're open to doing it, j- just go play it. But it, it real that article was a lot to write, and I think that it I'm really proud of it and how well it captures uh, what the game does, which is be hella anti-colonialist and actually lets you blow things up and you're rewarded for it. Uh, it is not pacifist, and that makes me happy. Excellent, Matt. You have anything? Nope. All right. Um, Well, then let's wrap this up. Uh, If you listening to this liked what you heard and you want more, you are in luck because we're basically everywhere. Um, Come find us online, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, um, Twitch, Patreon. If you want to throw us a few bucks, keep the site going, keep us doing what we're doing and making this content you're enjoying. We would greatly appreciate that. And because this is the last episode of the year, you can find me on Twitter at most always Alex. Uh, and Kate, where can people find you? You can find me at Oh My Myth Randier and find all of our beautiful writing at butwizo.net. And Matt? Is your war over now? Oh my god, Matt, no!